joy to have Brother Russ with us this evening. Um, Scott, could, could you grab a microphone for him? Are you with your ankle walking, or do you like to just stay behind the pulpit right now? Are you going to roam? Oh, he's fine. He said he'll stay right here. My boys tomorrow morning at breakfast are going to ask Brother Russ how his ankle is. Apparently, he's got a fantastic and somewhat grotesque story. Uh, to us, Brother Turner is what I call the Indiana Jones of missionaries. I've been going to Brother Russ's uh, field there in Costa Rica. Goodness, I was in the seventh grade. And all your kids were at home, and I was little too. Latham and I got to run around when the youth group had to go out, so it may have been before seventh grade that I was down there. But I've known them for that long. When they would come through Washington, D.C. and Fairfax, Virginia, where I grew up, uh, they would stay late into the night playing Rook with my mom and dad. So every time he comes here, he just, I, the rest of you all might love him, but he says, I'm staying with Ron and Pat. And I said, okay, yes, sir, we'll, we'll do that. But uh, I don't think, did y'all stay, you're not going to play Rook tonight, are you? No, he's got to drive back to Chattanooga tomorrow. So it is a joy to have you here with us. Here's what I've asked him to do, because he's one of my most fascinating missionaries. He's one of my favorites in the whole wide world. Um, if you have questions, now you adults might but if you kids, the teenagers are old, they're tough. Like they're grown up teenagers, they're too cool for school. So you younger teenagers and some of you young kids, if you want to ask questions about what it's like. I mean, this guy gets in little tiny canoes with outboard motors and goes up the rivers to regions where nobody's ever heard the gospel <laughs> preached to preach the gospel. He literally takes the little, I call them walkman, but little walkie-talkie type thing messengers where they read the bible in the language because there's no bible translated in the language for these people yet just so they can have a gospel witness you want to talk about cutting edge still in the modern 2022 day uh getting out there and getting at the gospel everywhere around the globe brother russ is one of those so you will enjoy come ahead tonight bro. i hate those introductions <laughs> It's so good to be back. I was here in October of 2019, which was about two and a half years ago, and we had a three-day mission emphasis, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and it's so good to see many of you are still here and serving the Lord, and uh, so I'll just bring some new tidings to you. Uh, he actually started telling my first story that I wanted to tell, but two weeks ago, I was in the Amazon, and Lolo Yanzi is a Kokama evangelist who I work with closely. And uh, he has a little 18-foot aluminum boat with a 15-horse outboard on the back. And so he came by the town where I'd flown to and picked me up. And we went up river, up the Amazon River. I had two uh, suitcases full of study Bibles, New Testaments, headlamps, uh, the messengers, the audio Bibles, uh, medicines, and uh, Jesus films, solar chargers, uh, different things like that. And a great desire to preach the gospel. And so we visited five villages on that trip. In the next uh, several days, we went to Valencia, 12 de Octubre, San Pedro, San Antonio, and Tawide. Now, in some of those villages, we've already built a church. In others, we are in the process of building a church. And in others, we want to build a church. So they're brand new villages. And uh, after we had uh, got to the end of our trip, Tawide had been the last village on the Peruvian side. Uh, Lobos said to me, you know, Pastor, about three more hours upriver, there is a tributary called the Ataquari that flows into the Amazon. But the Ataquari River uh, branches off of the Amazon, and I went to the first village uh, 
on the Atakwari just a few days ago, and there's one Christian family in that village. And I was able to teach them more about the Bible, more about God. They were so glad to have me come and visit them. But then they told me there's 13 more villages up river, and they have nothing. And he says, Pastor, we've got to go there. We've got to go there. And he said, I know the narcos are there. They're growing coca, and uh, they've got their uh, AK-47s, and they're hauling out the pasta, you know, to make, or the, the base to make cocaine. But he says, God will take care of us. We'll tend to our business, and they're going to tend to their business. <laughs> but we've got to go to those villages. And I said, okay, okay. Those guys are pushing on me all the time to go to new villages. And I said, let me get the plane ticket. Let me get the messengers and the Bibles and the New Testaments. Let me get it together, and I'll come back down. And so uh, June and July are very high months. What I'm usually paying is about $600 round trip. And right now in June and July, it's $1,200. So uh, anyway, I'll be going back August the 8th. The, the prices come back down, and so that'll be my next trip. But we have a lot of projects we're taking care of. We just came into the States last week, and uh, Lynn has a number of uh, medical appointments and, and things like that. And so uh, we're busy uh, taking care of these projects and preparing. But one of the things, now before, I was here before COVID hit, and since I was here last, uh, we went through all this COVID thing. So we were locked down in Costa Rica for a number of months, couldn't travel, couldn't do anything uh, outside of Costa Rica. And uh, by the way, we can have services in Costa Rica. So uh, some of the people, several people asked me about doing something online. And at first I kind of pushed against it, and I don't know, I don't want to do that. But they kept after me, so I started a, a, a virtual ministry. And now we're on Facebook and YouTube. We upload messages every Tuesday and Friday. And we have listeners as far south as Bolivia and as far north as Canada. It's all in Spanish. But uh, we have Hispanic people uh, hearing the Word of God, and we get results and uh, re request and response from them constantly, constantly. And so this has been a great lesson, even through the COVID thing. And uh, so it keeps me on my toes. I have to keep preparing and uh, uploading new messages. But Lynn, she is one tough lady. And uh, she is my great counterpart. She does all the tech work. And uh, fact is, when I'm working on a computer, often I'll say, Lynn, come here and help me out of my problem. And uh, she comes and figures it out. But she does all the uploading. She has to handbrake it and minimize it. That's not the right word, but anyway, I'll use minimize it and uh, fix it to where it will go on YouTube and uh, what's the other thing? Facebook. And so uh, she is doing that part of the ministry and uh, responding to requests. And, uh, you know, she was telling me yesterday, we try to get out and walk every day. And we were out taking our walk yesterday. And uh, she, and this is before she came down with the problem she's got right now. And uh, I had to take her to urgent care this morning, and she was really wanting to be here, but she said, I'm just in too much pain, I can't travel. So anyway, next time. Uh, we were walking yesterday, and so she said, you know, it had been a while since I'd won anybody to the Lord, and I was praying, God, I want to win somebody to the Lord. Lord, please bring someone. And so this young lady was looking for work, came to our house, and so Lynn hired her to, to clean the house for the time that she was in town. It was just a couple of days a week. And actually, Rachel, our daughter, came down to Costa Rica with her girls to put them in school to better their Spanish all this past semester from January to May. And so she was cleaning Rachel's house as well. And so Lynn started talking to Carolina, that's her name, Caroline. And uh, Carolina uh, had just lost a baby a couple of months before and uh, miscarriage. 
And uh, so Lynn was talking to her, and she realized that Catalina knew very little about the Lord Jesus. And she said, I'd like to give you a messenger and give you a Jesus film. And, and she said, come on over to the house. Took her Bible, took her through the plan of salvation, and Catalina accepted the Lord as a Savior. And they prayed together. And, of course, we have a little baby in heaven as well. Well, she may be grown now. I don't know how it is when we get to heaven. She'd be 40-something years old right now. But anyway, um, she's there. And so Lynn had that uh, connection with this girl who had just lost her baby a couple of months before. So uh, she was just rejoicing. I said, okay, tomorrow night you're telling that story of bluegrass. <laughs> but anyway, I'll just have to tell it uh, for her. But it's so good to have a help me uh, like Lynn. She was raised here in Kentucky, up in the eastern part of the state where her dad pastored and started churches. And uh, he passed away last year, but just a great man of God. And uh, the Lord prepared her to go down there. You know, uh, I can just remember back when I was at Tennessee Temple in the 70s. And, and uh, we both, we met a number of, I met a number of girls, she met a number of guys. And uh, I can just think back and there were some pretty girls, but I don't think any of them could have taken the jungle like she did. And she just is a good girl. Uh, and is able to take those rough times and go in those canoes and, and uh, ride horses and deal with ticks and bugs. You know, when we go into a village, the first thing we do is go visit the chief. And we ask for permission to go into the, to come into the village and to teach. And he gives us permission. I give him a gift. It could be a, a, a t-shirt, a knife, a can of tuna, a jar of peanut butter. Oh, Indians love peanut butter. And uh, it, it's some gift. And after I give him the gift, and yes, he gives us permission to stay, and then my contact, whether it be an Indian pastor, an evangelist, or just a Christian in the village, will show us where we're going to stay, the hut where we'll sleep. So we go there, and of course, we're the show for a little while. The only two white people within 100 miles. And uh, so uh, the kids are coming around and, and looking and wanting to see everything. And they come up to me and they feel my arms and they say, well, he's got hair like a monkey, you know, on his arms. Because they're slick skinned, they don't have any hair. They just don't shave, they don't have hair on their bodies like white guys do. But anyway, uh, they're just, and my hair is white. Uh, Pastor, do you paint your hair white? No, God made it that way. And uh, so they're just so curious. So the best thing to do is just kind of settle down and let the new wear off. And then after they get used to you, then you can take care of your sleeping quarters where we'll hang our hammock, put up the uh, mosquito net around the hammock. And, you know, even when it's not mosquito season, Lynn's always put up my mosquito net. There's other critters around here, and I feel safe inside my net at night. And uh, then we'll find out where we can uh, use the bathroom. Sometimes we just go out in the bushes, you know. Sometimes they have an outhouse. Anybody know what that is? I know a lot of older people do, but I don't know if you younger people do or not, but... It's very primitive. We go to the river to take a bath. And so uh, you just watch and do what the Indians do. And uh, if the Indians aren't getting in the water, you don't get in the water. The piranhas might be around. They might have killed a hog. Blood in the water. But if they're in and out of the water, just like little fish, then in we go too. And uh, take our bath in the river. So uh, at night, we always have services. Oh, they want to hear the word of God. And it's such a blessing to be able to teach them the word of God. And uh, after we leave the village, uh, some time ago, there was this one man named Américo Plato. Uh, Plato means skinny. He's not too skinny. Américo uh, is his name. Loves the Lord. He's an Emberá Indian. And so as we were in the canoe coming back down the river, Lynn was uh, sitting just uh, in front of him, and I was up further in the point watching for logs and things like that. 
and the river is real curvy. Oh, if you could just grab the river by one end and yank all the curves out, you could go really fast. <laughs> but it, water seeps below ground, so there's lots of curves in the river, and you're always doubling back. And so he had to slow down to negotiate one of the curves, and he looked at Lynn and pointed at me and said, I'm his son. I learn everything he teaches us, and then I go up and down the river, this Chukunaki River, and I teach these villages about Jesus. And you know, I can look back and I can say, we have a son in every tribe. We work with the Kikuna, the Kama, and Yagua, and Toto, and Mayuruna, and Guaibo, and Emberá, and Guaymi, Kuna, and other tribes. But there are people out there that God has called, God has saved, and God is using to make more disciples. And that's where I want to take us tonight, how to multiply disciples. Look at 2 Timothy 2.2. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. And, uh, oh, I do feel for that fellow that had the motorcycle accident. Uh, about two and a half, three years ago, I was going through the jungle on my motorbike, and I just went over a little slight rise, maybe something as high as this pulpit platform, and I guess I hit some loose gravel, and the bike just went out from under me. And uh, it didn't hurt me because it's just a little narrow trail, and uh, I just went into the trail. <coughs> But the bike landed on my leg, and it broke it badly. And so um, there was three of us on motorbike. <coughs> One guy was carrying double, so I asked him, the guy in the back, can you drive this thing? He said, yeah. So I said, well, I, my leg won't support the weight now. I'll ride behind you. So I just held my leg and got behind the other, and we rode for about an hour out to the village that had the estuary. Uh, well, there would be no plane for three more days, so I just had to uh, land a hammock and no ice, nothing like that, it's hot. And so actually I just boiled water and would uh, just bathe it with hot water, uh, presses, com compresses, and uh, waited for the plane to come. So it came, I strapped up my foot the best I could, and uh, I went, there was no crutches either, so I went to the hardware store and bought me some PVC pipe, about inch and a half PVC pipe, and a hacksaw blade, and a, and a tube of PVC glue and made me a set of crutches and they were better than the aluminum ones. And so I was able to negotiate with those crutches to get out to the plane, get back to Bogota because I was down in Colombia. And I said, well, I'm that close to home. I'm just going to get the next flight back to San Jose, Costa Rica. And uh, so I made it back to uh, where we live in Costa Rica. I went to the doctor and uh, of course it was swelled up and gangrenous looking and, and uh, black and blue. and, and so I went in for my first visit. I said, Doctor, if you're going to cut my leg, I'll chop it off below my knee. I want to keep my knee. And he said, well, let's work on it for a while. And so they worked on it for about a week and got it disinflamed and operated on me and put a plate in there and seven screws, I think it is. And so it hurts, but I'm glad I got a foot that hurts. I, every time it hurts, I just say, thank you, Lord, I got my foot. And uh, I can't run as well anymore, but I'm still walking and jogging and working and, and uh, trying to keep my body as fit as possible because I want to not be a castaway, like Paul said. Let's not should be a castaway. I want to serve out just as long and as far as I can. Uh, back there on that back table, that white table, there are some brochures, probably the same one that I had here in 2019. We haven't had new ones made, but pick up another one. Uh, if you want to get our mail, uh, our uh, newsletter every two months is the average. Well, then just send us a note. The, the, all the information is on the back, our email and so on. And uh, drop us a note and we'll put you in the database 
and you will be getting the letter. The Apostle Paul wrote 13 epistles. 2 Timothy is his last one. Just before Nero beheaded him. That's the reason he says over in chapter 4, verse 7, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I kept the faith. But before that, he said, Timothy, I've got something to tell you. 2 Timothy 2, 2. Here's what he says. And the things that thou, Timothy, hast heard of me, Paul, the same commit thou to faithful men. That would be Timothy's disciples. Who shall be able to teach others also? That would be the disciples' disciples. So see, four generations right there. Multiplying disciples. We flew in about 10 days ago, and just a couple of days before we made our trip to the state, Diego, who is now a 28-year-old pastor, he was saved and raised in our church in San Ramon, where Brother Kyle has come. Some of the other folks have come to visit us. And uh, Diego grew up in our church, and now he's pastoring in Guanacaste, which is about four hours away from Costa Rica. He's married a young lady named Angie, doing a great, a phenomenal job for the Lord Jesus. And so I had called him up and I said, uh, I've got a new study Bible. Uh, we've been able to get the Ryrie study Bible in Spanish, and so uh, it's just a great tool for the pastors, and uh, we're using that now to hand out to the pastors, as well as Bible study courses, um, the messengers, the audio Bibles, and uh, also we have uh, just a few items for their kitchen, a microwave, set of dishes, and so when he got there, he uh, said, uh, our, our washing machine tore up, and so Lynn and I were able to give them enough money to go buy a new washing machine, so praise the Lord, I'm glad to be able to be a channel to help uh, these young pastors like that. So I was asking him about his ministry. And he said, well, on Sunday we have church services and Sunday school. Then on Wednesday I have a guitar class. There's a number of young people that are wanting to participate in the music. And so I'm teaching them guitar. Then on Thursday we have our midweek service. On Friday I work with the younger teenagers, the high school teenagers. And then on Saturday we have college age youth meeting. And during the week, we're out witnessing and visiting and winning souls to Christ. And I said, man, you're a busy guy. And he says, well, that's what you taught us when we were here in church. We're just doing what you taught us. You see, that's the kind of guy that I want to help. That's the kind of guy that I want to support. He is multiplying disciples. And uh, the same Lolo Yanzi, uh, while we were on that same trip two weeks ago in the Amazon, we went to a new village called San Sebastian. His father-in-law. Uh, Lolo's father-in-law lives there in that village, and he is the pastor in training. Uh, fairly new believer, but he's just soaking up the word. Lolo is teaching him the word, and they have no church there. So we have already started the building. We've already bought the tin roof. We make it a cooperative effort. The Indians go out into the jungle with chainsaws. They cut the timber, and uh, they'll just uh, use you know, a, a chalk line and pop off a line uh, after they saw off the slab and make it. A square a top, then they'll pop off the line and they'll cut it with a chainsaw, just eyeball it. And they can cut out two by fours, one by tens, just uh, no sawmill. None of these guys, they just, just uh, by hand, and they saw all the lumber and they erect the structure. And then I buy the tin roofing to roof the church, and I'll buy the cement. They'll go to the river uh, banks where there's sandbars to get the, the sand and then the gravel bars to get the gravel to mix and make concrete and I'll buy the cement, the factory cement. And so it's a cooperative effort. They're putting forth their part, I'm putting forth 
uh, help to get a church up in those villages. So I met the chief. And he was so glad a church was going up in his village. He thanked us for coming. And uh, uh, Lolo is going out there and teaching those people the word of God. He just wrote me today as I drove up from Chattanooga. He sent me an, uh, an email and he said, Pastor, uh, and I've given him this uh, Bible study course called The New Life in Christ. And he said, can I make 20 more copies of this? I said, go for it. He said, there's another village called uh, Buen Camino, which is the good road. And uh, he says, there's people in that village that have asked me to come and teach uh, them the Bible. So I need 20 more copies of the Bible study course. And so uh, kind of fudging on the copyright laws, I guess, uh, down there in the jungle. But anyway, they can go to a photocopy place and uh, make copies of those Bible study courses and take them out into the jungle to those people. And all those people are just hungry for the word of God. So we're making disciples, making disciples. And, uh, you know, all of us need uh, three people in our lives. We need a mentor, we need a friend, and we need a disciple. Now, I have several in my life. I have several mentors. Those would be older people that have, well, I'm getting kind of more the mentor now, you know. I am the older person. But uh, I still have older people in my life that I go to and ask questions and ask for advice, ask them to pray for me. And I respect those mentors in my life. They've helped me through the hard times in my life. When I wanted to give up, my mentors came along beside me and said, this is not the end of the world. Keep going forward. Keep preaching the word. Then you have your friends. Those that are more on your level. Paul had his Barnabas. His Luke. Silas. Those guys that were his friends. His co-equals. They tell you like it is. They have your back. They help you along in the ministry. You help them. Camaraderie. Fellowship. Friends. You need friends. And then you need a disciple or a disciple in your life. Those younger ones that you can bring along, that you can train. Oh, they'll challenge you all the time. They'll have their questions, their doubts, their rebellious attitudes at times. You have to correct them. You have to love them. You have to guide them in the right way. They're, they are your disciples. All of us as Christians need to have those three people in our lives. Mentors that we look up to, go to for advice, friends. People on our same level, we can have fellowship and uh, just have a good time of uh, praying together, talking together, eating together, families getting together, and then disciples, people that we're bringing along in the ways of the Lord. I trust that this will encourage you to get these three people in your life because that's part of making disciples. It's key to making disciples. Now, granted, God's not going to call everybody to go overseas. But the Great Commission is for here as well as for abroad. Amen. Near and far, here and abroad, everyone needs the Lord Jesus. And there's people all around us. Hey, as long as there are sick people, we're going to need hospitals, doctors, and nurses. Right? And as long as people keep being born and children grow and become teenagers and become adults, there's going to be lost people that need the Lord Jesus. So we need pastors and evangelists and teachers and just Christians that will multiply disciples. Amen. All the time. It never ends till Jesus comes. So think with me for just a few moments. How can we multiply disciples? We can multiply disciples by obeying God's command. Answering God's call. 
Remember Isaiah 6, 8? Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, and what did Isaiah say? Here am I. Send me. Are you willing to do that? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do you love him? Just like the Macedonian man came to Paul in that vision, he said, come over and help us. There's people out there that need help. There's people out there that don't know they need help. That's the reason we go and witness and sow seed everywhere. We don't choose the ground, we just sow it everywhere. <laughs> in the parable of the sower, only 25% produce fruit. But we don't know who that is. So we sow it everywhere. Amen. And what a great blessing it is to be able to take a Jesus film, a gospel tract, a gospel of John, one of those messengers, and go up to a person and offer it to them. And many times, they've already been hit by the false cults. And so they look at you and they say, how much does it cost? Oh, it's just a blessing to me to say, it's free. Just like salvation in Jesus. I'm not wanting any money. I want to give it to you. It's a gift. And just as I give you this gift, how much did you pay for it? Nothing. Jesus wants to give you salvation as well. He paid for it already. So we can multiply disciples by obeying God's commands. We can multiply disciples by praying for missionaries and missions. Praying for them. You know, when you start praying for something or someone or someplace, it creates a heart of interest. I remember Dr. Bud Calvert uh, speaking about my eye affects my heart. And uh, if we pray about something, then it creates that interest in us. I grew up on a farm down in South Carolina. And uh, I'd come home from school on the school bus, change clothes, put on my boots, go out to feed the hogs and cows. On the cold days, Daddy and I would be riding in the truck in the different lots on the farm to feed the animals. And I can remember him talking about missionaries and, and praying for missionaries and uh, lamenting that he felt that he had lost his chance and and he was too old and he wouldn't be able to go. And uh, But we would pray there in the truck, out on the farm. We'd pray for the missionaries that we knew from our church. And then God opened the door for him to go to the Cayman Islands at about 40 years of age. And he served the Lord for the next 50 years. He died this last uh, about three years ago now. And uh, he's with the Lord. But when I went down to the Cayman Islands for his funeral service, a young lady, well, she's not an old lady. She's not a young lady anymore. She's a grandma like I am, a grandpa now. But uh, she's, she grew up with us, and she said, Rusty, that's why they call me when I was a kid, Rusty, we are a product of your daddy's ministry. He had a great influence on us in science. We can multiply disciples by praying for missions and missionaries. And, you know, we, sometimes we just pray like, God bless the missionaries. Let me help you a little bit. Bless. Think of it as an acrostic. Bless. B-L-E-S-S. Pray for their body, their health. You just pray for my wife. Pray for their labor, the ministry they're involved in. It might be church planting, indigenous missions, orphanages, youth camps, Bible institutes, so many things. Find out what that missionary is involved in, their labor. Pray for their emotions. They need encouragement. They have days is when they're up and down. They find, uh, face obstacles. Pray for their emotions. The family's emotions. The kids. The wife. They're a unit. Pray for their safety. 
pray for their safety. You see, the Americans even target overseas. Because most third world countries look at the American as rich. You know that 98% of Americans are richer than anybody else around the world, right? I don't care if you are poor here. You're rich compared to most people around the world. Diego, that guy that I was just talking about, he lives on $650 a month, which is better than a lot of those other countries. But think of that. That's just, yeah, very small wage. Isn't it? Um, then pray for their, uh, let's see, safety, and then pray for their spiritual uh, needs, their spiritual life, that they'll stay centered in the Word of God, in prayer, reaching people, keeping their goal before them, the priority. I've seen some workers get uh, go off into other tangents and forget about what they're there for. You know, for 30 years, God used called Lynn and me to plant churches. We planted churches in Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Panama. And then 12 years ago in 2010, he called us into this indigenous land. And he allowed us to expand our ministry. Now, while we are in Costa Rica, where we still live, we work with many national pastors that we've helped them build their churches. But then I'm out in the field. I've had a trip a month since last November. We went back last November and Every month I've been out on a trip, ministering somewhere in some village, preaching and teaching those people about the Lord Jesus. So we can pray for missions and multiply disciples that way. We can multiply disciples by giving, by giving, by being partners with missionaries. Remember the Philippian church, Paul told them in Philippians chapter 4, when I went out from you to Thessalonica, no other church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. You were the only church that gave to me. And, uh, you know, when Brother Cal mentioned this about taking off, I didn't expect anything at all. Now, I'll use it wisely because God laid it on your heart, and so it's been given for a purpose. And we do have Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee, but it's a co-pay, so, you know, after they pay their part, we'll pay our part. So it will be used wisely. But Paul told the Philippian church, you help me in the ministry. Now, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. Right. Later on in Romans 15, when he talked to the Romans and wrote to them, he says, I'm going to Spain. Spain was the westernmost part of the known world at that time. I'm going to take the gospel to Spain. There's no more area here where I need to reach because my goal is to reach to the parts that are unreached. I'm going to Spain, but I'm going to come by Rome as I go to Spain, and I want you to assist me as I go to Spain. Help me out so that I can go to Spain with the gospel. In the 70s, Leon and I were down at Tennessee Temple as students there. I was a welder in steel fabrication. You know, we were poor. We didn't have any extra money. But we decided we were going to be faithful with our tithe to the local church and then give above our tithe a faith promise offering to missions. And at that time, it was $10 a month. And that was a hunk of money for me at that time. But you know, God honors faith because faith honors God. It glorifies God. And God has multiplied through the years that $10 offering that we gave month by month. And uh, he is allowing us now to put hundreds of dollars each month into missions. God honors faith. 
You start small and you grow. Teenagers, start right now. We taught our kids when they were at home, you tithe everything that God gives you. <laughs> Give your tithe to the local church. I'll leave it up to you and the Holy Spirit to decide what you want to do for faith promise. That'll be between you and the Lord. But you're a thief if you don't tithe. So tithe to the local church and then give a faith promise off in the mission. And God is blessing all three of my children as they continue to share God. We can make disciples by not opposing missions. <coughs> Go to 3 John sometime this week and read about Diotrephes. Gaius, whom John loved, and said, you are a true fellow worker. You're helping the missionaries that come through. But Diotrephes, who wanted to have the preeminence, he wanted to be the leader. He wanted nothing to do with missions. And anybody who wanted to help missionaries, he kicked them out of the church. And so John says to Gaius, don't follow that bad example. Don't let that influence you. That same <laughs> visit that I was making two weeks ago in the Amazon, we went to Kawita, where we finished the church now. Robo was the pastor. And he said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. Okay, good. So he and I went off by ourselves, and he says, I'm facing a situation that's got me disturbed. There's this guy, and he quoted his name. And I know who he is. He's just an old, disgruntled church member. And he's going around the village. And everybody knows everything in the village. No secrets. And he's going around the village and he's talking bad about me and falsely accusing me of things. And he says, maybe it's time for this church to get another pastor. I said, no way. I said, God called you. We ordained you. You need to just suck it up and preach the word of God because God's word is powerful and it'll work in this village. So keep preaching the word. And then I'm going to be praying that God will either change that man's heart or remove him. Because when you mess with God's man, you're messing with God. So you just be faithful and don't quit. And that's just what he needed. He needed encouragement. Yes, Pastor. I'll keep going. So we can multiply disciples by not opposing missions. When the pastor brings up something for missions, concerning missions, go with it. An outreach, go with it. Participate in it. Support it in any way that you can. One last thing. We can multiply disciples by training others. That takes us back to our key verse here. Juan Cariman is a pastor in the Guaibo villages. The Guaibo people live on a vast savanna area. It's not jungle like the Amazon. It's in eastern Colombia. And we're having a very great expanded ministry there. And uh, Juan Cariban will take me on his motorcycle before I got mine. He would, I would mount on the back, side, uh, the back of his motorcycle. And as we go along, so of course, my mouth is right here in his ear. So I teach him the Bible as he's riding along. So we had the motorcycle Bible Institute. <laughs> and he always had questions. He'd turn his head and ask me a question. And then I would teach him the truth from the Word of God about that question. And he, when we go and do these seminars in these different Waiwo villages, usually there's some people that can't speak Spanish very well. And man, he's just like popcorn. Just every three or four paragraphs, he'll pop up and he'll explain it in Waiwo. And then invariably the people will be putting their hands up and asking questions. Repeat that. Explain that better so that we can understand it. It's just challenging to preach these to these people and teach them, but it's great. I mean, I love to see people like sponges just soaking it up. Lord is a lady in San Ramon where we had our last church. She came to church, got saved, became a Sunday school teacher. 
and uh, just had a great love for boys and girls. She started a Bible club in her house, in their community. She won a lot of boys and girls in the Bible club, then brought them to church at our Sunday school. They grew up, Diego being one of them, who I mentioned before. Lynn and I were just counting up the men and women who are now either pastors or pastor's wives because of Floyd. Sunday school teachers, don't be discouraged. You're sowing in those lives. One day you'll reap. One day the results will be seen. But it takes a lot of sowing first. A lot of irrigating, praying over those kids, helping those kids. But then one day you will reap. So let's keep multiplying disciples. Amen? Amen. Let's keep multiplying disciples. Uh, multiplying disciples is just part of everyday life. When David, when Jesse called David and said, come here, leave the sheep with a helper. I want you to take this bread and cheese to your brothers. They're out there fighting the battle. I haven't heard from them for several weeks. Take this food to them. Find out how they are. Bring me a report. Yes, Bob. So he left. David didn't know he was going to kill a giant that day. Yeah. Just the everyday life. Opportunities just come to us like that. Another thing. In this matter of multiplying disciples, it's for every Christian because each of us have our own sphere of influence. You will talk to people that I'll never see. Same here. I'll talk to people that you'll never see. And each of us are responsible for our own sphere of influence. Take advantage of those opportunities. And then as I said before, missions and multiplying disciples is for every generation. Just like we need hospitals and doctors and nurses, so we need people, Christians, that will multiply disciples. Pastors, missionaries, evangelists, Sunday school teachers, and just regular church members. Amen. You don't need a special call. Just share with others what God is doing in your life and bring them on. Thank you, Father, for your word. Bless it, God.